Well, thank you, music team. Thank you, Emmanuel and uh, Lorraine and the Quilting for a Cause. We're continuing our sermon series, Body and Spirit. We're working our way through the book of James. It seems like uh, we're moving quickly. Uh, I, I could probably slow it all down because there's just so much there. As I call him Pastor James because he preaches, uh, that's for sure. This morning, I'm wondering about this question. What is it about speech that is so important? I remember in my uh, doctoral program of ministry in a seminary in Chicago, a professor dropping the F-bomb. And it was weird. And it was like, what? Right? And it was just, it felt like a bit out of context. It got everybody's attention, certainly. What is it about speech? Why does the Lord entreat followers of Jesus to pay attention to and be selective about how we talk? In a little while from now, we're going to pause. I will pause for what I call Q&R, what we call Q&R. And you will have an opportunity to ask questions. If you're on live stream, you can text or email to ask at westviewchurch.ca. You can also do that if you're here in the auditorium. If you're on your phone, I take no offense. You can do that, or you can stand where you are and ask your question. We have that from time to time as well. And uh, Reese will bring a microphone to you. So that's Q&R that's coming up in a little bit, and, and uh, we've had some good questions. Uh, last Sunday, we were talking about um, deeds. We were talking about faith and how deeds are an integral and inherent part of faith. And one of the questions that came in just after the service to our Ask inbox, one of the questions that came up is, what about a person who says they have faith, they know all the apologetics, but they don't live a life that reflects a life of faith. They're essentially oriented to themselves. The final part of the question is, is this a person I can be confident will be in heaven? It's a legit question. It's another great question. And as we were unpacking the text last week, one of the things that James points out is that even the demons knew about the existence of God. And what he was saying is that knowledge is not in and of itself faith. Knowledge in and of itself is information. Faith, finally, is a way of life. And so we ask this question and we say, well, clearly it is important that a faith, a true faith, is one that is uh, visible and demonstrable. And James even said in the passage last week that there is a form of faith that is not salvific if it is just informational. But what about the last part of the question? Is this a case where I will see this person in heaven? And we acknowledge and we say it's God's prerogative. He is the one who knows the human heart and he is the one who makes the judgments of eternal life. And so we continue to pray. So we acknowledge that faith is a way of life. It is not just an information package that you have. It's a way of life. 
And so for people that we sense are, don't have an active way of living, we pray for them continually and we never stop praying. And I believe that's why we have that scene with the thief on the cross because even in the dying moments, a person can reach out and take that step toward Jesus. And even that is an act and a deed that leads to eternal life. And so our hope goes right to the end of time. This morning. So I want to encourage you with your question and submitting those because they're good. They are good questions. So we will pause later on. This morning we are looking into this matter of speech and, and speaking. And why is it that the Lord entreats followers of Jesus to be intentional and selective about our speech? What is it about speech that makes it so important? Let's go to James, the book of James, chapter 3. James chapter 3, James is towards the end of uh, the New Testament. James chapter 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. And James opens here with a caution to teachers and to people who speak. The word speak here that he uses, the Greek word is logos. It's words or the word. It's the same word that is used to refer to Jesus at times, the logos. So what he's actually cautioning is people who teach, people who speak, people who use words. He continues, If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. He is using this word uh, tongue or glossa. If you are English, uh, uh, major interested in English words, glossa, uh, glossing, you get that uh, from this Greek word here, tongues, but he's using it, this word tongues, as a symbol of speech or of speaking. And he is pointing out how small it is, our mouths, tongues, speaking, how small, and yet how great and significant at the same time. Great, mega is the Greek word here. How mega, powerful and influential speaking is. How great and powerful it is to, as he points out, reap havoc and destruction. Ships, horses, fire. Verse 7. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. 
but no one can tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison. What a philosopher. So many things can be tamed, but he points out, James points out that the human tongue, human speech, evidently throughout the centuries and millennia, human speech is not tameable. Humans cannot tame our speech. We cannot tame it. Bring it under control. And then finally, he goes to verse 9. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Human speech is fraught with corruption, with this diluted duality of good and evil. Back in my very early 20s, when I, when I read this, it reminded me of this. When I was in my early 20s, I took up smoking. Uh, cigarettes, there was no such thing. Well, I don't know if there was or not, but the e-thing and the, all this vaping and all that business wasn't around. It was cigarettes with a filter and an ash and all that business. Early 20s, I took up smoking. Of all the things, because I'd been an athlete, but anyway... Then I met Kimberly, who's now my wife, and I started dating Kimberly. And when I read this, I think of this. Here I was smoking, and with all of that, wanting to kiss my fiancé. That's a little bit of what's going on here with James. When he's saying, we fill our mouths with all kinds of things, and then we turn around and we praise the Lord. It not to, ought to be so, he says. And he uses ships and horses and fire to explain the impact and the significance of what kind of harm can come of our speech and the way we talk. Speaking words. Do you know, as he points out, that if you have a dog, for example, that you can train. I see so many. I'm out running a lot, and I see people with their dogs. Dogs not even on leashes, and it's totally cool. You can train your dog by using words. Oh, and treats. <laughs> okay, so food, even dogs. Just say it. So we want you to stay after the service, so we bring food. But it works training by using words. Another thing, when our first daughter was born, we went to the doctor for a checkup, and she was making certain clucking sounds, and our doctor asked where we were from, what country we were from. It turns out we were from Canada. But he said, this point, and it stays with me to this day, this medical doctor, and it was clearly obvious, but it resonated with me. He said, you know that when babies are born anywhere in the world, babies can learn any language in the world. And how do they learn? They can speak any language, and they learn that language from the mother and the father and the family as they hear words. And then babies grow up, we become adults, 
And then sort of some of the unfortunate stuff starts to develop. We have opinions. Oh, we have ready opinions. Our opinions are ready at the drop of a comment, at the drop of a post. We have com- we, uh, Henry Nouwen was reflecting. He's a, a, a renowned scholar and, and author and minister, departed pastor. And he was reflecting on this 19th century pastor. This 19th century pastor was bemoaning the circumstances of his day. And he said, there's this thing called teachingness. That's going on, this pastor said in the 19th century, teaching this, where people are willingly taking up the chair. They get into this chair and they have all of these opinions and they are uh, negative or they are uh, censoring or they are correcting. And he said they seem to have an opinion on any subject. And not only that, but they willingly share it dogmatically or they pontificate. And he goes on and on. And that was in the mid-1800s. Before social media posting comments in road rage. Have you heard this phrase? Complete it if you've heard it. Sticks and stones, but... Okay, that is a lie. You have memorized a lie. So we're bringing truth here this morning. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me, or words will never hurt me. That's a lie. It's not true. Words are devastating. Words can come about as close to, if not kill. There is verbal abuse. There is haunting and taunting that goes on online in the school, uh, in the workplace. Words are devastating. There is an organization called DangerousSpeech.org. And it is run by a couple of women. One is from a a Harvard professor, another one from U of Connecticut, and they have a team with them. But they they examine and they uh, sort of uh, bring into light Uh, what is dangerous speech? And they talk about a variety of different things, but one of them is, again, they highlight content and being aware of what we say and the words we say. So we're in an argument, you hear this a lot, where people will attack the person and not deal with the subject. That's called ad hominem, where we attack the person. We're using words to dehumanize somebody else. So comparing them with an animal, comparing them with an object, but anything that would make a person other than being a human being. And then there's this aspect of othering people, where we use words to describe somebody as being other than ourselves in order to make them an enemy and place them in a position of opposition or danger to us. All of that is what can happen with words. So it is no wonder that in the first few centuries A.D., that silence became a virtue and, in fact, a spiritual discipline. And it's no wonder that several monasteries decided, you know what, I think we just need to cut out the whole talking thing altogether. That's not what James is advocating here, though. Because he's talking. He's speaking to the congregation. It's not what he's advocating here. It's not what the Lord is advocating here because he's recorded these words and they've been preserved all this time. So there's more going on. 
What is it about speech that is good and important and valuable and essential? What is going on? Verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. So we go from the ships and horses and fire, we go to figs. And what James is pointing out is that speech has a creative power. That speech creates. It has the ability to create and produce evil or good. The writer in Proverbs, I think it's in chapter 18, says that the tongue has the power of death and life. You'll see a link section in the, in the bulletin and sermon supplement with all kinds of different scriptural links, and many of them refer to what's going on here. This aspect that speech creates. Our Lord, our Creator, Scripture says that our Creator spoke creation into existence, that He spoke and initiated the process of creation. In Genesis 1, and He said, Let there be, and there was. Because he was already emphasizing the importance of speech because our God speaks. And when the time was right, he sent his son Jesus. And the gospel writer John says, in the beginning was the word, the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus is called the word. It's as though Jesus is what God has to say. God speaks. And he is, it is from, from Genesis to Revelation, it is constantly, he speaks in so many different ways. The whole book of Revelation that we've been singing about, how wonderful it is how the Holy Spirit orchestrated the music and the invocation this morning, because Tyler prepared that invocation from Revelation 4.11 a couple of weeks ago before he uh, left for some vacation time. And Reese this morning has brought Revelation to life. And even there, God communicated with the writer of Revelation, speaking to him through images and inspiration to give us the book of Revelation. He speaks. And the, out of the goodness of God's heart, he communicates to James, and James speaks to the original congregation and then to us to bring our awareness to the point that speech matters and that it creates. And that it can be devastating or good. And he made this awareness through the apostles, through the prophets, and then through Jesus himself and through the scriptures themselves. Bringing our awareness to the problems of speech and also the creative brilliance that it can have. 
And engineers would say a problem identified is already half solved. We know about the power and the capability of speech. And then, of course, Father, Creator, Son, and then the Holy Spirit. Scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit guides us, leads us, convicts us of the truth. So the Holy Spirit continues to speak to us today in order to lead us and guide us. It is through the Holy Spirit, which brings us to the question of if God is speaking, are we listening? Imagine a time in your life, a significant time, when someone blessed you, when someone used some words, and they prayed for you, they said some words of blessing to you, It was like exactly what you needed in that moment. That's what the Lord is inviting us into. Inspiring us to be a group of people who bless. One of my favorite verses in Thessalonians is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Paul writes, encourage one another. And build each other up, even as you are already doing. Paul couldn't help himself. Even as he's encouraging people to encourage other people, he also encouraged them at the same time. Encourage each other and build each other up, even as you are already doing. You know how you encourage somebody? Do it again. You know how you bless somebody? Bless them again. You are already a blessing. You're sending youth. Youth are going. You're sending blankets. You're praying for people. You are caring for people. You know how you're blessing and encouraging people? Do it again. We're going to pause here uh, for some Q&R. It gives you a chance to ask a question. Uh, It's probably, uh, and, and live streamers, you can text to ask at westviewchurch.ca, text or email. Folks, if you want to do that, you can, or you can stand where you are. I sometimes feel like the Q&R part is kind of like uh, a gear shift, like I'm shifting down a bit because it feels like I could turn a corner and then really start preaching. And then we go, okay, we put on that safety valve that says Q&R. We've been to uh, other countries. We've been with other people in other settings where that happens. where services are about two hours, and it's, it's going. And uh, the preacher m- preaches for a while, and then maybe sits down, but then maybe stands back up again and goes again. Um, I know of uh, 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 one occasion where a preacher would say, you know, stand with me as I conclude. <laughs> and then uh, went on another 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but it was pretty active. Um, but I just want to ask, if you have a question, uh, Reese, come on up. Um, If you have a question, someone have a question here or online, uh, feel free to uh, text or email us or stand where you are, and we'll just take a moment for your your questions. Okay, yeah, if you have one. We've been saying that, yes, yeah. Um, I'd really like to make a comment that... um, a, per, a wonderful
wonderful example of words uh, right at the beginning of time have an influence to turn mankind to mm. where we are. Mm. And good. it's those simple words that Satan himself used mm. to Eve. And he said, did, or he said, did God really say? Right. Created the question of mm. God's goodness. Mm. So that the simplicity of our words, there can be a half truth, mm. but yet turn people away from God. Mm. Um, mm. I'll just let you comment on that. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. Thank you for that. Yeah, and that's more evidence, okay, of exactly uh, uh, part of what we're talking about here is the impact and the power of words. And it's good to point out that God, our Creator, through the Holy Spirit, is speaking today, but so are the spiritual forces of wickedness. And it's a really, really important for us to be able to discern the difference. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. You know, we talk about the fact that speech matters. What we say matters. What God says matters. John 5, 24 precisely says, Those who hear my words and believe him who sent me have eternal life. And so because what God says matters, so too followers of Jesus, what we say should matter. And God's words lead to life. They are life-giving. They are not sucking life out of us. And so as Paul writes in Romans, if we are speaking words of condemnation, that is not from the Lord. Conviction is different than condemnation. So people that follow the Lord are life-giving. And even when we speak truth, it's truth and love. That's really good. And we do need the Holy Spirit. The point is that if we cannot control or tame, then we need the Holy Spirit in order to speak and in order to discern even where this, these messages are coming from. Have you got something on there? Yeah. Uh, we understand that we are to be holy, thinking what is right, what is pure, Philippians 4.8. Yeah. Uh, but aside from taking God's name in vain, is there or is there not freedom in Christ to express anger, um, to make a point? Um, in, but in saying that... Uh, do weaker brothers, do we need to show restraint in our language so as not to be a stumbling block, as in Corinthians? Okay, so that, there's a lot, that's kind of like four or five sentences. So let me see if I can get it, though. Um, is it okay to express our anger verbally? Um, uh, and, and there was a... Freedom for that. Do we have the freedom for that? Um, but in, in also in saying that, do we need to, you know, we, we need to practice restraint so as not to stumble a, a brother that may be weaker. Right, right. Okay, so the, the brother that's weaker. So, yeah, I wasn't meaning to pick on the F-bomb, um, but it, 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 it does, and a professor was using it to, to make a point as well. But this aspect of can we use language to express our anger. Okay, so we're bringing anger and language together. And so here's the thing about anger. Um, we do get angry, and it's important to acknowledge that, but then how do we deal with that? And so striking out physically is not God-honoring, and neither is striking out verbally. And that's a lot of times what happens, is people's emotions get riled up, and the next thing we know, we're using words that are uh, condemning or putting down or are not managed. 
And I would liken that to smoking a cigarette and wanting to kiss my wife. Listen, it's, we are praising the Lord and speaking to the Lord. And so it is important what is in our mouths and what comes out of our mouths and how we speak. And so when we get angry, one of the things that when I was young and, and started having children and all of a sudden these new emotions were coming in that I didn't know I had or that they were just a lot more accentuated. And one of the things I started saying was, you're raising my anger. Because I was starting to get angry, but I don't want to be angry, and I don't want to take it out on anybody. So I did that as a way to start acknowledging and dealing with it. But there are ways to deal with it um, without getting abusive or condemning. The point is that God speaks, and when He speaks, He is speaking in creative ways to bring life. And so as followers of Jesus, what we say needs to bring life, and not condemnation or put down or harm or hurt. This is really good. Uh, it's difficult. Look, it's difficult. Yeah. And that's why... Do you, do you have another one? No, there? no. Okay. okay. So maybe I'm going to segue there. Thanks. I'm going to segue there. And, and, uh, and this is why uh, we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's will is to guide us, is to convict us, to lead us into the truth, to testify to Jesus. You know what I find fascinating? The start of the church in Acts... There is a festival that the Jews upheld, which is called the Pentecost Festival, the 50 Days Festival. And you know what's fascinating? They had all gathered, the Jews had all gathered in Jerusalem from all over the place, all countries and all of that. And they had gathered in Jerusalem for this traditional ethnic festival. And they had gathered from all these places. Jesus ascended, and what he told his disciples when, they were when he was ascending, he said, go back into Jerusalem and wait for it. Something is going to happen. Don't go anywhere. Get together and wait for it. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit came down and filled them. And when they filled them, you know what they were able to do? They were able to speak in different languages. And it was called tongues. But what they were able to do was speak to the people that were in the city in all these languages that they hadn't otherwise been able to speak. The Holy Spirit initiated the church and gave them the words to speak. Hmm. So the question for us is, whose words are we using? Whose words you know, it'll mean that we, in order to speak, we'll need to listen. I want to invite the music team to come back uh, onto the platform. In order for us to speak, we will need to listen. And there's two parts to this as, we, uh, as I conclude here this morning. In order to speak, we need to listen, which means praying. And I find it interesting that we've turned praying into speaking only. When the Holy Spirit's will is to lead us and guide us. So praying also means listening and asking questions and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And that means not just um, at home in the early morning hours, but when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're sitting in a coffee shop, you can in a moment say, Holy Spirit, help me, guide me in this moment. Before I speak, give me the right words. Help me to speak your words and not just my words. Inform and shape me. And then listening also means reading this, but not just reading this so that you can check it a box. 
I believe in memorizing Scripture, not because of points or stars, but because when you do, you literally put God's words into your mind. You're literally putting His words in there. And you don't need to necessarily have all the addresses right and all that jazz, but what you're doing is allowing God's words to form and shape the way you think and ultimately how you speak. It's not possible to use God's words without listening to the Holy Spirit and memorizing Scripture. You, we need this in order to use His words. I'm just going totally old school. Right. And then let's say yes to the Holy Spirit. Let's pause when we're with people. Let's pause and let's discern. And let's relinquish, as that 8th, 19th century uh, Charles Deems, Pastor Deems says, let's relinquish the chair. Let's let other people speak. Let's hear their voice. And in the meantime, we'll pray. And we'll ask the Holy Spirit. And maybe when we come to speak, maybe we confess. Maybe we apologize. And certainly we want to encourage. And then finally, let's bless. One of the ways to bless, I've been reading this book, The Gift of Blessing, and in there these authors talk about expressing high value. Just bless somebody and say, you are of high value to the Lord. I'm so thankful I've gotten to meet you. You are immensely important to the Lord and to this congregation. I'm so glad that I met you. Let's be a blessing.